Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Michael Bratton of that SEC podcast. And Mike, as always, appreciate you joining us, man. How are you doing this afternoon? Hey, I'm doing great, John. Ready for this weekend, like you said. I mean, across the board, I didn't even mean to do this, but aside from this Arkansas game I know we're going to talk about, I think every other SEC game is going to be a one-score game, so I'm ready for the weekend. Well, let's just start with the team and the game that everybody is going to be watching this weekend, Georgia-Tennessee. This game being played in Athens, which we know is always a big factor anytime you go on the road in the SEC Tennessee is unscathed as well as Georgia. Basically, the winner of this is in full control of the SEC East. You say you got everything being a one-score game, so in this particular case, where do you have this game going? Yeah, I mean, obviously been thinking about it all week, John. Tennessee grabs, so maybe a little bias there. But, man, if we're just going off this football season, not – last season when Georgia won the national championship, won the East, they won the East many years in a row, Tennessee's the better team. I mean, I don't know how you can – I realize Georgia's got a talent advantage, but if you just look at the way they're playing, they don't play down to the competition. Georgia, they've been shaky. I mean, even Florida, even though I never felt like Florida was going to win that football game, they made a run in the second half. Obviously, the Missouri game, that was a game the Tigers could have easily won. Uh, I think Tennessee's the better team, elite offense. I just don't know if there's a way to stop this, John. As long as as they're doing what they keep doing, this is the perfect system. They've got the perfect quarterback to run it. I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. I certainly don't think uh, that Georgia has no shot. I'm not saying that. But I have more confidence in Tennessee to get the win. I I think it's going to be like a 38-35, maybe a 42-40 type game there in Athens. Uh, Georgia's offense is fantastic. They they should be able to do whatever they want to Tennessee's defense. But give me uh, Hendon Hooker with the ball in his hands late in the game to get that win in Athens. So how does Tennessee go about winning this game then? Uh, you know, you said that Georgia, not many people think about their offense, but if their offense is dynamic and we know their defense has been, it hasn't been as good as it, it was last year, but they've been really good still. So how does how does Tennessee come away with a win? Well, it goes back to what I said, Joe. I mean, this offense. I mean, I just think it's it's unstoppable. Basically, I mean, it truly it, it truly is with three dominant receivers. You got to remember, Tennessee's just now getting their best receiver back. I guess Kentucky was his first game back. Cedric Tillman now on the field. It's a nightmare matchup for Georgia on the outside. Hendon Hooker, very very accurate and efficient. Only one turnover on the. One interception, one fumble in the Alabama game, so two turnovers, but so accurate down the field. And the offensive line is playing out of their mind. They rushed for over 150 yards on Alabama, and all we heard going into that game was how dominant. Alabama had the number one defense in the country leading up to that game. Tennessee scored over 50 on them. So Georgia, I understand, is going, they're a great defense. They cannot stop this. So it's critical for Tennessee to – win first down, because if they win first down, they make it a manageable second or third down. Basically, if Tennessee gets a first down, I don't care who their opponent is, they score. I mean, as incredible as that is to say, whether it's a touchdown or a field goal, they are scoring on every possession they get a first down, and they're the best in the country in turning red zone opportunities into touchdowns. 
if they can convert in the red zone, they're going to beat Georgia. And, Mike, just to let you know, you're not alone. I, I think Tennessee will win also. Mike, when there you, you go, Joe. Mike, when I, you I say like uh, that Georgia has more talent, but Tennessee's the better team, help me understand that. Right. Well, I mean, if you go based on recruiting rankings, Georgia's got maybe the best roster in the country. In college football games, seventy percent of the time, if you just look at the historical data, the team with the better talent wins the football game. Sure. Alabama significantly has better talent than Tennessee. LSU, better talent than Tennessee. Well, and then you'll look to where the game's being played, and that Bama game was at Tennessee, and I think that that home field advantage helped them pretty significantly. You don't think that that will help Georgia in this one? Certainly, I think it will, but um, again, I mean, it's it's the 11 on the field, and, and here's another critical factor I haven't even mentioned with Tennessee is the pace and the tempo. Georgia's got a better 85 than Tennessee, no doubt. But when it's Tennessee's 11 on offense against Georgia's 11 on defense, I think that's a lot more equal of a matchup. And the way Tennessee goes with the tempo, with the pace, you cannot substitute. So it's 11 on 11. It's not 85 on 85 as much as typical football is with this Tennessee team. It's why they they typically fed early in the season. They're saying, well, why isn't this freshman – receiver playing why isn't this sophomore running back playing it's because once they get a first down they just go 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 they do not stop you cannot substitute them the 11 on the field is going to be on the field the entire possession so georgia's massive a talent advantage again it's minimized by the fact you simply cannot substitute right against this offense so you think the you think the points i think what do you say it was 65 66 the total the 65 the over so you think it'll be over mike I do, and I, I think it's only low because Georgia comes into this matchup with such a uh, an elite defense. And, again, I'm not sitting here saying Georgia's a terrible team. I mean, they may be the second-best team in the country, but, I, again, I just don't know if as long as Hannon Hooker's accurate. I mean, the, the, they stretch the field. They go with the tempo. You could play it perfectly, and then what happens? Hannon Hooker will beat you with his legs. That's what he did time and time again against mm-hmm. Alabama. There's just no answer for it if – they're running the, the tempo and their accuracy with the deep ball. That's really what kills you because you, you can cover every little aspect. Sure. But if, if the deep ball is there, they're going to hit it. They go to that deep ball several times a quarter, Often. and it's just killing people. Well, I, I haven't seen anybody rush the passer very consistently and successfully against Tennessee. That That's how you would fix this. That's how you would kind of combat it and, and – it's going to be loud there in Athens. It's going to, I mean, if, if anybody can rush the passer, it should be Georgia, but um, they do. That, that that Tennessee offense really stretches you out. It forces you to play two deep safeties. Then, I mean, it, it just, like you said, it, it's really hard to game plan for because they can beat you about three different ways. Right, and the, the only way to really stop it, and Georgia does likely have the talent to get this done. So, again, I'm not counting them out. But like I said, going back to early down, you know, you have to only have five men in the box. And if they run the ball, you have got to stop them for minimal to no gain and set up second and long, third and long. That's when you get Tennessee. Uh, I don't want to say because they can't convert those, but obviously it's much, much more difficult. You have to win early down with uh, a short box, so to speak, on defensive side of the ball. And, and Georgia has the talent to get that done. Unfortunately for them, their best pass rusher, Nolan Smith, 
out for the season. So, again, it's 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 not an ideal time to lose your best pass rusher. Good. Mike, Very Mike good what point. did you see with Tennessee's defense that has them playing better at times? Uh, held Kentucky to six points, held LSU to 13 points. Right, and I did not see that coming at all, Joe. So, again, I mean, Tennessee, just they're playing better and better. Uh, week in, week out, the entire team is being elevated. But where that's really starting for Tennessee is the defensive line. And we got to give a ton of credit to Rodney Gardner. He's been in the SEC for decades. He's, he's basically the Sam Pittman of the defensive line. Mm. He, he's been at Auburn. He's been at Tennessee. He's been all over the place. But uh, he has got this defensive line playing out of their mind. They're stuffing people on the run, forcing people to go to the pass, and suddenly Tennessee's defensive backs, which is, that's the weakness of the team, no doubt. That's what I think Stetson Bennett and, and this Georgia offense is going to have a ton of success through the air in this matchup. That's where you hit Tennessee. But if you're sitting there in second and eight, third and seven, third and six, it, obviously that, that's an advantage to Tennessee's defense, and, and that's what they did. They got after Will Levis. Kentucky's offensive line is terrible. And uh, that, that front seven for Tennessee harassed him all night long. Chris Rodriguez, one of the best running backs in the uh, SEC, he just had no traction going, and that's why it was such a blowout there. Speaking with Michael Braden of that SEC podcast here on the Jones and Sun Diamond and Brado Fine Jewelry Hotline. So, Mike, uh, another game that, you know, in any other year would probably be the 230 CBS game that everybody was watching, mm-hmm. but instead. Uh, it's not. It's you're going to have Georgia and uh, Tennessee being in that spot, but this time around, you got Alabama and LSU. We know how big of a rivalry this has been. We know how big of a game it's been, and this one, in some case, might even be uh, whoever wins this game is in the driver's seat of the SEC West as well. It's in Baton Rouge. It's at night. How do you see it playing out? Yeah, I, John, I think this is going to be a much closer game than uh, the line would suggest. Uh, I think certainly. You know, it's tough to tell, but I think LSU would have rather have played last week. They were on such a hot streak. We'll see if they can continue that over after uh, the bye week. They get they did get to rest up, obviously, but so did Alabama. I just think that Alabama, not that they're not elite, not that they're a great team, but this is two years in a row, John, where they they struggle on the road. Typically, of course, they didn't in Fayetteville, but uh, in Austin, in Knoxville, uh, I think. The crowd could really play a factor here. Alabama's got to clean it up with the penalties, with the turnovers. I think LSU gives them a, a, a fight here. But I think both teams, their offensive lines are going to be at a disadvantage. LSU, Harold Perkins, their true freshman, B.J. Ojolari, opposite him on the defensive end. I mean, that, that's going to be a nightmare matchup for Alabama's offensive line. Where we all know the monsters Alabama's got with Will Anderson, Dallas Turner going up against LSU's true freshman offensive tackle. So I think it's a little bit of a low-scoring game. I do like Alabama to win it, but you got to remember, I mean, Bryce Young in some of these games, I'm, I'm thinking Texas at the, at the tail end. I'm thinking Tennessee. He's playing at such an insane level, yet this is either a loss or a close win for Alabama. What happens if he just has his B game? I think Alabama can get beat in a situation like this, and they've got Ole Miss coming up next week, uh, I, I think there's a good chance they lose one or maybe even both of these football games. Every week, Mike, you have one game that's highlighted with a number one finger. What, what's the meaning behind that? Because for uh, Bama LSU, that's the game you have highlighted. Oh, yeah. So proud sponsor of the show, the Wager app. It's a uh, peer-to-peer betting service. That's my, my wager of the week. That's their little logo. So I'm very confident that LSU 
covers that 13 and a half points. Almost pulled the trigger on the on the outright upset, but I just think that Alabama, you know, kind of the backs against the wall, so to speak, with the playoff rankings coming out here, they're, they're all the way down at six. It, I mean, that must be uh, doom and gloom there to Alabama fans. So I do think they'll get the win, but who knows? Brian Kelly, this is why he said he'd come down here, to beat Alabama, to, to match up with Nick Saban with better talent. Now's his opportunity to, to kind of, uh, you know, I don't want to say put the dagger in Saban, but Man, two losses in the regular season. When's the last time we've seen that happen to the Crimson Tide? I guess we would be uh, 2010. Not, <laughs> yeah, well, not only uh, would they not win the SEC, they wouldn't even get to the championship game. So, I mean, that's... Man, they'd have to settle for the Sugar Bowl? That's terrible, <laughs> man. That's, just, that's a rough way of doing it. But, no, you're right, though. That's kind of... that's It just shows you the greatness in the way that they've been playing for so long, too. And it just kind of makes me wonder, though, Mike, and, and let's just play that scenario out. What if Alabama loses... Two regular season games. They don't win the West. Uh, they end up, you know, going to the Sugar Bowl, something like that. I just feel like Alabama fans are going to want something to happen. They're going to want some coordinators fired. Like they're they're going to lose it. So it's like, if you're Alabama, do you just you know stick, stay par with the course, or do you start making some moves and maybe shipping some guys out? Yeah, I mean they're going to have to shake something up, John. And uh, hey, I've been saying it about every year for ten years, so I'm bound to be right eventually. But I mean, I see the end in sight for Nick Saban. And he doesn't seem to be very happy about the transfer portal. He doesn't seem to be very happy about NIL. We all get up in arms when they cherry-pick, you know, a receiver from Georgia or a running back from Georgia Tech or, or Vanderbilt's best offensive lineman. But without these players, John, their team, what are they? I mean, they're Bryce Young and, and Will Anderson, and that's about it. I mean, this is really weird to me that Alabama has to cherry-pick people just to, to fix their holes in the roster. I mean, why is it like this? I, I think Nick Saban is failing to adjust to this era of football, and I've been saying it for three years now. When he goes up against an elite offensive team like an LSU in 2019, like Tennessee this year, heck, even Jimbo Fisher in A&M last year, they can't stop him. And everybody points the finger at his defensive coordinator, Pete Golding. Well, come on. We all know Nick Saban, the one running things down there. He may not be calling the defensive plays uh, every every play, but he's on the headset. He knows what's going on. They cannot stop uh, elite offenses. And, and again, this goes this goes back several years. Look at all the Clemson losses they've had. So uh, I don't I don't know that he's got a firm grasp on, on the game like he used to. It's his Alabama's now built on elite quarterbacks and great offensive coordinators. I don't think they have a great offensive coordinator in Bill O'Brien. And heck, they haven't won a championship since uh, old Sarkeesian left. So with Nick Saban, uh, what do you think the purpose of signing these new contracts? Is it just simply for the money, or is it for recruiting purposes? Why do you think he keeps signing these extensions? I think it's all about uh, recruiting. And, you know, you see it too. I mean, he's missing out on, like, Arch Manning. I mean, I, who knows? I mean, the Manning family's as plugged in as anybody out there. Didn't want to go to Alabama. I think that's a little failing. I was – I was concerned had he went to had Arch Manning committed to, and, and went to Alabama, that would have signaled Nick Saban for sure was going to stick it out through his time in college football. But that's just another sign to me that the Mannings know that uh, Nick Saban may not be there for very long. Uh, I think it's you know what is he seventy one years old now? He's the oldest coach Joe in the history of SEC football right now. There's never been an SEC head coach this old before. Um, I mean I I don't know I, I just see Alabama. Again, they're still elite. They're still great. 
they may beat LSU by 50, and I'll look like an idiot by Sunday. But I don't know. I, I'm seeing the, the cracks in the dynasty here, and it, it's been happening for a couple of years, in my opinion. Good. I hope it does. And I can't I can't wait because then there'll be some more SEC things going on there too. We just got a few minutes left with you, Mike. I wanted to ask you about just two other SEC games before we talk about the Arkansas game. You got what I just think it's fascinating. You got Florida going on the road to AM. AM is just trash right now. In fact, they have four games. They got to win three of them to make a bowl game. Who would have ever thought that? But then you got Florida that's had their own issues. And then the other one is Auburn, Mississippi State. You got Cadillac Williams leading the Tigers this time around. Uh, what do you make of these games? Any chance that the road teams end up getting the victory, or, or what do you make of them? Yeah, absolutely. It goes back to what I said at the top, John. I mean, I think all these, aside from the Arkansas game, I think every SEC game this week is going to be a one-score game. Florida, A&M, I honestly I got no confidence in either team in this position. The loser, how crazy is this? The loser of Florida, A&M, is going to be 1-5 in, in the SEC this season. That's just completely unacceptable for Jimbo Fisher. We say the same thing week in, week out. I don't understand why he's not been fired yet. I mean, I don't, I don't have any confidence in him. And, and the worst thing, John, they've got a freshman quarterback that is emerging in Connor Wigman. That may be the worst thing that could happen to the Texas A&M program, and I know that sounds crazy, but if they continue to, to have some success at the tail end of the season, Jimbo's going to sit here and say, well, I got my quarterback now. I don't need to blow up my offense that's uh, was pretty state-of-the-art in the late 90s. This is, offense is horrible. I mean, they're celebrating. They scored 28 points against Ole Miss, one of the worst defenses in the SEC. They still lost the game. They're settling for mortal victories down there in College Station. So if Anthony Richardson is, is plays at the top of his game, I think Florida can go in there and win. I just I don't really have confidence for that to happen either. So I think A&M wins by, by a close margin. You asked me about Auburn-Mississippi State. I don't know what the heck to make out of Mississippi State. They should be a lot better than their record indicates. Mike Leach has been making some weird, questionable uh, decisions all season long. It's it's anticipating I'm I'm seeing a heavy, heavy rain forecast for this game. So I think that helps Auburn because I think it's going to be a ground-and-pound style game. I think they'll fight hard for Cadillac. I just can't pick Auburn to win a football game after everything they've been through. So give me Mississippi State. by I got it by four points. So I like Auburn to cover in that one. Hey, Mike, quickly, uh, we got like 30 seconds, but you're buying Mizzou over Kentucky. What's going on with Kentucky? <laughs> I mean, it's a trade wreck down there. Uh, they can't block for Will Levis. He's been banged up. Chris Rodriguez is hurt. Uh, their defense getting exposed week in and week out. And Missouri, sneakily, they've got one of the best defenses, not only in the SEC but the country. So I, I like Missouri in a tight one. Well, it'll be a great weekend for the SEC and also Arkansas. You got them winning by at least two touchdowns, right? 18-point win. Yeah, they're going to blow <laughs> you out. SEC West and East divisions probably get decided yeah, this week. I know. Tomorrow. It's, that's, that's what makes it so great. It's going to be a great weekend for college football and especially here in the SEC. Mike, as always, appreciate you joining us, man. Enjoy the weekend, all right? Absolutely. You guys do the same. Thanks.